This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. What's up, Chad? Nothing much. It's been a dreary week or so in Texas. It's been like nonstop rain for, oh, I mean, pretty much a week, and especially these last couple of days. It is... 50 degrees outside, which Oof. is really nice. And that was pretty much the high for today was 50, 55. So there's your weekly <laughs> <laughs> weather update for <laughs> Dallas, Texas. Back to you, Katie. Back to me. Um, <laughs> you're beating us. I mean, we're in the, we've probably had 60 today. Um, we've been all over mm. the place though. But it's that time of year where the thermostat or the, uh, the heater's not on yet. The um, mm-hmm. radiator's not on yet. But my AC unit's still in the window, and so I'm just getting, like, cold drafts, and I feel like I'm 80 years old Mm -hmm. because I'm, like, bundled up in my apartment. (laughs) But, yeah, weather. Yeah, we actually had to (laughs) turn on our heater for the first time for the year. So, anyways, (laughs) getting on to uh, business stuff before we get into the episode. We've got a new review on Apple Podcasts from Ethan ABC. That is my friend Ethan, who is my friend. So thank you, Ethan. (laughs) And his name's Ethan. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Ethan, for the review. We appreciate it. We also have a Facebook recommendation from Deba, I believe your name is pronounced. Thank you for uh, recommending us on Facebook. Okay. And let's get into it because we got a big episode to talk about today. We are discussing The Delivery, aired on March 4th, 2010, directed by Seth Gordon and Harold Ramis, written by Daniel Chun and Charlie Grandy. In this two-parter episode, Pam first delays going to the hospital in order to get an extra night from their HMO and seeks distractions from her co-workers in order to keep her mind off her rapidly increasing contractions for labor. Later, she and Jim adjust to being parents as they struggle with breastfeeding in the hospital. And I wanted to keep that simple so that we could discuss everything else Mm. that happens as we go. Yeah, it's a huge episode. So thank you for bearing with us while we didn't touch on it last week. (laughs) So at first it's Jim and Pam trying to wait to go to the hospital. And then when Pam hits that that point of five to seven minutes apart, Jim's like, okay, let's go to the hospital. Your contractions are where we said they would be when we went to the hospital. Um, Pam, however, is sticking to her guns and saying, no, we said we were going to wait. So she's going to wait. So they kind of split in their their, uh, decisions. and. Pam spends the day at the office trying to be distracted by uh, anything <laughs> that will keep her mind mm-hmm. off of off of labor. By all appearances, Pam is the calm one, while Jim is the worry wart. But a- as the the episode progresses and uh, she gets closer and closer to being an actual labor, she she describes herself as quote near labor. Uh, but when she gets closer, and even Michael is the one insisting that it's time to go. Michael, for everybody's, I mean, for, <laughs> nobody expects Michael to be the voice of reason. But when he's finally the voice of reason in this situation with Pam, uh, she reveals that the reason, the real reason why she has been sort of putting this off is because she's having concerns about being a mother. She doesn't have faith in her abilities. Um, I mean, I'm not a mother. Mother, I can't really <laughs> imagine what this is like for her but i do know that pam has been or has struggled with self-doubt in the past and here it 
it's just over her ability to be a good mom or maybe maybe it's even just giving birth itself that she's worried about um one one thing to tackle at a time but it, it's this crippling fear that leads them to the point of almost having the baby at the office they are close yeah um i believe she is two or three minutes apart on contractions when they do finally leave and mm-hmm. i think that would be a huge wake-up call when it's like all of a sudden michael is telling you you need to go to the hospital to have this baby and you mm-hmm. know how thrilled he would be if she could have that baby at the office <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that baby would now live here um but even he is saying okay it's time you need to go have this kid so that's got to be a pretty big wake-up call yeah jim he he's just trying to look out for for pam he, he's tried so hard to get her to the hospital in time so that they don't have the baby at the office he refers to himself as quote frazzled when she says this is a word that i don't like to use and he's got one talking head where he sits amongst a small pile of baby books that all say five to seven minutes except for one that says six minutes but is that different not really <laughs> it, it's just funny seeing jim be so ready to take pam uh, to the hospital and Pam just sort of being against it again for pretty valid reasons as far as just the the fear of what she's about to experience and then what comes after. So I, I get it. Um, now, as for Michael in this first part of the episode, he just like he was with Jan is way too involved in this pregnancy. He's desperate to drive them to the hospital. He's hovering over Pam. He calls a conference room meeting to help distract her from her labor pains Everything about the day is revolving around her because of him. It should be more of a, okay, if you're going to be here, if you're going to do this, tell me how I can help, you know, tell me mm-hmm. like what to do. Um, but it's, he's, he is helping in his own weird Michael way. He's trying. Um, and in fact, the conference room meeting, Pam enjoyed that. She says, it's the only time I'm ever going to ask this, but distract me, um, pull all your crazy <laughs> stunts. But it is sort of Michael, like, running the show but i think it is out of the goodness of his heart he's he's really just trying to like be i don't know as as helpful as he can be in a situation where he doesn't need to be in at all um other things that happened in the first part of the episode while we're talking about it dwight seeing how jim and or yeah seeing how jim and pam at the start of the episode were sort of leveraging the upcoming baby for additional sales (laughs) he says wait you can't do that and so he says nope I, I need a baby for my own so I can compete with this. And so he comes up with the crazy idea of contacting Angela, not for continuing their romance, but purely a contractual obligation to have a child together. Like they're having sex purely for the outcome of Angela getting pregnant and having Dwight's son because he wants a son. And the contract he draws up stipulates that it will be a son. Apparently that's <laughs> and, up to her, yeah. Yeah, and so it's just interesting seeing him getting back with her in a certain respect, but completely non-romantically from his end, at least. We see her respond a little bit differently, almost excited. Uh, she, she seems to be a little bit more into the idea of continuing a relationship with Dwight, but he just doesn't look, he's not looking for that right now. I'm really um, surprised that she agreed to meet up at all. Um, given that in Valentine's Day episode, she wanted nothing to do with Andy at that point. So I kind of figured she'd want nothing to do with Dwight either. Like the guys who she was dating and cheating on each other with. But she's really very 
pleasantly surprised that Dwight reached out. However, Dwight is just completely business. He really, he really wants nothing to do with her. And there's even more towards that. Towards the end of the episode, we get a bigger hint that he really is kind of repulsed in a way by her because of what she did to him um, in the past. But they have an agreement. They have a uh, uh, a contract. He <laughs> offers to meet up with her at 4 p.m. to bang it out. She assumed that meant have sex. He meant bang out the contract. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So she was prepared and, and, and ready to go. Um, anything else in the first part of the episode to discuss? I think that's pretty much everything that's not just strictly funny. Yeah. Although, I, I guess we could mention Kevin. Uh, it, it's kind of sweet, actually. Her, Pam and Kevin have been eating meals together because as Kevin is a very hungry person and pregnant Pam is also a very hungry person, they are eating several meals together each day. Not every meal, only... here. Where's my list right here? Um, All of the middle-of-the-day meals um, because they each yeah. have two breakfasts and two dinners at least. Um, right. And two lunches. It's second breakfast, lunch, second lunch, and first yeah. dinner. That's right. So, so they're eating together, and Kevin is apparently a, a gifted chef, or at least follows instructions cooking pretty well. Um, I mean, Kevin's famous chili. Can't argue with that. But he is working his way through cookbooks, and they're eating dinner together, these meals together, and she, he's cooking for her. And it's really sweet, especially uh, when they're preparing for Ultra Feast, which is just like this huge last meal before the baby is meant to be born. And that's when Pam starts having these really bad contractions. And it's this moment that convinces her to eventually go to the hospital. But when she starts having those contraction pains, Kevin gets like really sweet with her I mean, he, he puts his arm on her arm and is just making sure are you okay can you get through this and i just thought it was a really sweet sort of moment for kevin where he he's sort of looking after pam um both in the in terms of feeding her and in terms of helping her to manage her pain yeah that's something we really haven't seen from kevin is kind of a nurturing side yet um, mm-hmm. kind of a tenderness mm-hmm. so it's nice to see that but, of course, she does finally agree to go to the hospital. Um, I checked my notes. She is two minutes apart on contractions, which... Oh, wow. Um, yikes. Because for some women, that could mean, okay, like, your labor is just kind of on the downhill slide, and you're just going to have this kid by the time your contractions are back-to-back. Or sometimes for women, it just means you stop having contractions, or you, you, you freeze here. So it, this could be hours and hours from now, or this could be very soon so it's like okay get to the hospital you don't want to have this kid in the office so they do eventually go but pam realizes that she forgot her ipod she wanted the ipod during labor um for some reason her birthing playlist and she forgot it at home so dwight who has been escorting them to the office because he's totally a registered um officer who can do this Mm -hmm. um pulls a siren out of his car and puts it on his roof and escorts them to the hospital he's been dispatched instead to go pick up the uh the ipod from from the helpert's house and um has a bit bit of an adventure while he is at the house um gets distracted finds some mold in their kitchen and demolishes their kitchen which is just what you need when you come home with a brand new baby yeah it's just (laughs) icing on top of the cake having to deal with a crying infant 24 7 but (laughs) their time at the hospital is 
I, I keep using the word interesting and I don't do it intentionally, but it is interesting because they are in the immediate aftermath, sort of just enjoying the initial peaceful moments. The baby is lying quietly in the little bed next to them and they're enjoying sort of snuggling each other next uh, in the bed, the hospital bed. And they're much more confident as parents than they were going in where Pam was struggling to even go to the hospital because she was so worried about being a mother. Uh, but then the baby crying starts and they're struggling to change the diaper Then they struggle with the feeding. And that's really the, the main storyline for the second episode is Pam is having uh, problems breastfeeding the baby. She, she's not latching on, which by the way, it is a daughter. Um, and so through much interaction with the nurse and with a lactation consultant who is played by Jenna Fisher's then fiance and now husband Lee Kirk. They, they eventually figured out by the end of the episode, but that's, there's a couple other things that happen in between. They were given the option to have Cecilia, their, their new girl, um, either stay the night with them in their room or go to the nursery overnight where nurses would watch them. The Halperts decide to have Cecilia stay with them and they go to sleep. Pam and Jim wake up to crying. They grab the crying baby and Pam starts breastfeeding. Oh my goodness, it's working. Amazing. They put the baby back down, drift off to sleep. Uh, Isabel, we remember Isabel, who was um, Pam's, I forget if she's Pam's cousin or just close friend, um, who Dwight, of course, courted at the wedding, um, shows up and wants to see the baby, of course. So Pam grabs the baby. Oh, dear Lord, this is not my baby. I just breastfed someone else's kid Um, because they have been sharing a room with another new mom. So they gently roll the baby over to her mother (laughs) and grab their own child, which is it probably belonged in the funny moments. But it's such a um, indicator of like how new parenthood is going for these two. They're just Mm -hmm. they can't feed their own kid. They're. You know, when they do feed their own kid, they're feeding the wrong kid. And it's just right. <laughs> such like a they're they're feeling very um, dejected and like they can't do anything right. By the way, the the mother sharing the room with them is played by Melissa Rauk, who is from The Big Bang Theory. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess this was like right before Big Bang Theory started airing. This sounds about right. So th- this whole inability to feed her daughter is sort of reinforcing that pre-birth worry that she was having about not being ready to be a mom. And that's why I think it's so important to her. The, the ability to breastfeed her child it is like proof of her being a good mother. And that's why she seems so opposed to bottle feeding as the nurse who I love, by the way, the nurse, I think she's so funny. Um, she suggests using a bottle just for tonight and we'll try again later. And Pam is so opposed to that. And it's not because I think she's morally opposed to bottle feeding. It's just, I'm her mom and I'm supposed to be able to feed her with, uh, I'm supposed to be able to feed her like I am with me. And so it's just another motherhood struggle where she's trying to prove her ability as a mom and uh, a mom to this child. I think Jim is getting a little bit of this self-conscious uh, attitude as well because Pam gets a lactation consultant, as you mentioned, to help her learn how to breastfeed. And Jim really isn't a part of this. I mean, there's this guy, it's the male lactation consultant, who is imparting wisdom onto Pam 
the mother of the baby. And Jim's just sort of out here, like, there's nothing I can do to help. And so he's trying to observe and kind of, okay, you know, so when we're at home, how can I do this? But Pam doesn't really want him involved. She said it'd be weird if he helped. Um, Don't know if I agree with that, but that's what she wants. And so he's just sort of isolated and doesn't feel like he can really be a dad at this point. And it's just neither one of them is really meshing with early parenthood. Right. But again, by the end, as they're getting ready to leave, actually, in those final moments before they get in the car, Pam is finally able to feed Cecilia and they are happy. It's a sweet little moment as they sit on the bench outside the hospital uh, feeding Cecilia and saying, we did it. And they're just sitting there as a small little brand new family. And it's awesome. Um, Now, I actually think there's more to talk about with all the other things that are happening. for a second, going back to Dwight, uh, it's it's funny to see how Dwight reacts to finding mold in the kitchen uh, when he's looking for the iPod, because it's so weird and over excessive for him to feel this compulsion to first stay the night in their bed, yeah. and then completely rip out their cabinets and replace them himself with some sort of hired help or whoever it is, and. Even though it is weird and ex- over excessive, it's kind of actually pretty considerate of him, uh, assuming he doesn't charge them for it after the fact. Like, <laughs> oh, by the way, here's my bill. But, you know, even Isabel stops by at the end of the episode, uh, stops by Jim and Pam's house and says, wow, new cabinets. And all I did was bring macaroni and cheese. It, it, it's kind of a great little gift for him to take care of this problem without them having to call a, an expert who would charge them to get rid of the mold and then to build new cabinets and all that kind of stuff. He's doing this, again, I'm assuming free of charge just because he's Dwight and he wanted to get rid of mold, whether it was in his enemy's house or not. But with Isabel dropping by, that adds something different too because it seem, he seems to reconsider Isabel. Uh, after their one night stand back in Niagara at the wedding, and then he ignored her the next day. And she seems to be reconsidering him too. Regarding the cabinets first, uh, it appears that they are not completed when Jim and Pam come home with the baby, uh, which would have been great if they were, because now they have, you know, moldy cabinet wood exposed and stuff. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But presuming that that is, you know, on the on the tail end of the project, a uh, very, very nice gesture. It would have been nice if he had asked, but uh, nice nonetheless. And then Isabel. So right when Dwight is starting up things with Angela again, of course, it's, it's strictly um, contractual. Now Isabel shows up, and that is probably someone who Dwight, it appears anyway, would be more interested in having a bit more of a, a relationship with. Um, he at least seems to enjoy her company more, but I don't know that Isabel would be somebody who would agree to have a contract baby. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe he's weighing his options and saying like, Angela is more willing to do this. I don't know. He says that he's starting to feel sick there at the end of the episode after Isabel has left and uh, he and Angela are finalizing things and it just, he seems to have some sudden reservations. Like, is this really what I want? Do I want a contractual relationship or do I want a relationship? 
And with Isabel showing up again in his life, it seems that maybe he, he does want more of an actual relationship. So we'll see how that progresses. Uh, let's go back to Michael at the office, though. Mm-hmm. So Michael is feeling super proud of his little family, Jim, Pam, and Cecilia, um, which he just takes credit for because he says that he set up Jim and Pam. I mean, he hired them. I, that's about what he did. Um, he put Jim's desk near Pam's desk, but that's essentially all he did. Um, but he's feeling very proud of this little family, and so he wants to matchmake some more people. He thinks that Aaron and Kevin would be a good match, so um, he kind of forces them on a lunch date in the office, super romantic. And Aaron's trying her best, and she still likes Andy, of course. Um, but she's being polite and is going on this date with Kevin, and, and Kevin is really not much of a conversationalist and isn't putting much back into the conversation. So it, of course, doesn't go well. Um, And then Aaron admits to Michael that she likes Andy, not Kevin, which I think is the first time she's actually said that out loud to anyone that we've seen. Mm -hmm. It is. It's the first time we've heard her say it out loud, at least to somebody aside from the camera. And Andy even says, uh, he admits later that he was feeling jealous when Kevin and Aaron went on their little quote date to the break room with their lunches. Um, Which by the way, just since I mentioned Andy, there's something really kind of depressing that we learned about Andy in part one that I forgot to mention. Uh, He was originally named Walter Jr. After his father until age six. So for six years he was Walter Jr. But then his little brother was born and his parents thought that he suited the name, or that the name suited his younger brother better. So they took away little six-year-old Walter Jr.'s name and gave that name to the baby brother. And then they went to a baby book and picked Andy, which is like, it's an A. And so they didn't look for very long. And yeah, that, that actually just now popped into my head that it's an A. They, they, they yeah. got to like page two of the baby book and decided, oh, that works. One of the most popular baby names ever. Let's take away all the personality from it and just give him an early alphabet baby name. It's so impersonal and demeaning, I think, to be the oldest child. But then even at the age of six, to not live up to your parents' expectations to the point that your name is given to your younger sibling. That is, that is awful. And I think that that right there, without even delving further into it, is so indicative of why Andy is the way he is. Yeah, truly. It has nothing to do with his little brother, Walter Jr. Has, I mean, he was a baby when the name was given to him. It had everything to do with the fact that his parents didn't think that Andy was fitting of the family name. So maybe this next son will be good, and let's just give that name to him. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense as to why Andy is Andy. Yeah, it's really depressing. But uh, going back to the, the part two storyline, when Michael Michael's asking around, who wants to be set up with my magic dating compatibility ability, whatever he, he's claiming to have? He's, he wants to, he, oh, that's right. He wants to shoot people like Cupid does. Uh, mm-hmm. more, more on that in funny moments. But Andy gives the excuse, 
uh, you know, I still got that whole torn scrotum thing. Uh, so that's still on the men. So not a great time to start dating somebody. And then he has a talking head. He says, you know, I am waiting on the stars to align to ask Aaron out. Literally, I've got a skylight in my bedroom and I would like the moon to be visible. And so, I mean, he's leaving everything up to not chance, but out of his hands. Like he's relying on something external to do something that should be just quick and easy, which we've talked about. But it it ends to him being jealous, uh, leads to him being jealous when Kevin and Aaron almost become a thing. So uh, I I think he, he finally sort of sees the error of his ways. Which leads him to finally, finally, finally do something about it. And it's not even a good ask out. He does ask her out. (laughs) But it ends with tears. Um, so he sends a fa- or he he has Aaron send a fax. The fax reads, "Aaron, will you have dinner with me?" But she doesn't know this. She doesn't read the fax because privacy. And she tries to fax it, but it's to the office fax, so it's busy. So she says, "Okay, I can't give you a confirmation right now, but I'll try again in a minute, and I'll give it to you then." Andy says, "No, you got to do this right now, or you're fired." Aaron is is uh fragile we've seen her cry before so she cries now you can't say that to me you know i didn't do anything wrong and he realizes oh oh goodness i'm making the girl cry that i'm trying to ask out this isn't going well and so he kind of opens up his plan i'm asking you out and then she says that's amazing and she uh (laughs) does accept but it's like just stop with the tricks stop with the games just ask the girl out because everything you've done so far that's been so fun and so cute and so like Goofy has failed miserably, including you giving her a million birds for Christmas. Like, and he's like half traumatized her. Yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> ah, just okay. But they have a date, so maybe this will stop. And all of this circles back to Michael. It, it's just so strange that he feels this obligation, or not even an obligation. It's like he, he's claiming responsibility for putting Jim and Pam together, even though when they were first hired, Pam and Roy were engaged, and so. Pam and Jim weren't even a possibility. Uh, so, of course, he can't claim it, but he does anyways. Um, and when he sets Aaron up with Kevin, he she, she tells him immediately, no, I'm not interested in him. I'm interested in Andy. And he, like, guilt trips her into uh, going out with Kevin for at least lunch because he promised him and because it's like... No, I, I am obviously an expert at this. Look at Jim and Pam. They just had a baby together. Did you hear? And so you need to listen to me and go out with Kevin. It's like he's insisting that his pairing is correct, even though it's so non-compatible. So even though he tried to set Aaron up with Kevin and that didn't go well, now he sees, he, he looks out from his office, Aaron and Andy getting along and, and going out on a date. And he looks on smiling like, I did that. Well, you didn't do that. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, he finally does the finger guns. That. Yeah. It wasn't you. But I'm glad you are happy for your employees. Okay. Well, that's really all of the character things that happen. There's just a lot of funny stuff to talk about and yeah. a lot of deleted scenes, too. But before we get to funny stuff, I just wanted to mention, uh, as a sort of tease, when 
Andy shows up to the hospital. He's got a framed newspaper from the day he thought the baby was going to be born. and says something like spring has sprung or something like that. It's a really sweet headline from the local paper. Uh, That would have been a great gift. But because Cecilia was born an extra day after, he has to switch it with today's headline, which is about the Scranton Strangler. And that is a small plot line that continues forward. And so I just want to make sure you're paying attention from this point forward to things about the Scranton Strangler. That's all I want to say. It's funny because as you have, I have watched The Office so many times that I kind of forget when certain plot lines start. Mm -hmm. And I kind of assume that this one's been going on forever, but I forgot that this was the first mention of the Scranton Strangler. Mm -hmm. So yes, And I, I just wanted to point that out. So there it is. There it is. Now, funny stuff. Uh, we already talked a little bit about the cold open. Dwight is getting upset with Jim and Pam for their for using their upcoming baby to boost sales, and so he he says you have to come up with your sales honorably. And Pam says customers like it when you talk about your private life, and so Dwight calls up a customer and tries to talk about his life, about how you know I could really use the money because my cousin came up with a case of the new really bad goat fungus. It's just horrific. The doctor said he'd never seen it beard so quickly. And the the customer either hung up or told Dwight to hang up. Either way, he was definitely not interested in Dwight's cousin's goat fungus that bearded really quickly. And then Dwight has his um, kind of sad talking head, kind of funny, where he says, "I, I need a baby. I'll never outsell Jim and Pam without one. Also, I've been noticing a gaping hole in my life. Sometimes I wake up <laughs> cradling a gourd. <laughs> That's kind of sad. So yeah. <laughs> he uh, clearly does want something in his life that he doesn't have. Very possibly a baby. So. Yeah, we've seen Dwight really introspective recently. A, a couple of different times where he says, you know, it was um, Secret Santa where he says, you know, maybe I'm depressed. It's just that it's a sl- the days are shorter. It gets dark sooner. I'm kind of depressed. Maybe... Th- it's just, meh, I'm not feeling it. And so, yeah, he, he's really aware of how he's kind of lonely. More evidence of Michael uh, trying so hard to help and also not helping. He is volunteering to drive Jim and Pam to the hospital. He says, I'm a licensed Class C driver in the state of Pennsylvania, <laughs> which just means you could drive a car. I gassed up the car. Actually, I put in diesel this time trying to save some money. Well, first of all, A, diesel is more expensive than gas, and B, don't do that. That's not good for the engine. Yeah, he's trying. (laughs) He's trying so hard to win them over. He wants Um, to be involved. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a part of something. (laughs) Uh, He has a a talking head where he says, I am sort of a master of distraction. This is talking about distracting Pam from her contraction pain. He says, when I was a kid, my mom received compliments compliments that's what they were left and right for my teachers on how i was always able to distract others in class and so he he like asks the camera crew a question and then just like puts his hands over his mouth and starts making fart noises like oh that's obviously not me i'm being very discreet about this but it, it's so non-discreet and very obvious that it's it, it's it's really funny compliments compliments he was always <laughs> able <laughs> Pam is trying to, you know, of course, suppress her contractions and and spend more time at the office. And she says that it's almost time for Ultra Feast and asks where Kevin is. Michael mishears or misremembers and says, you want to eat cat food with Kevin? 
and not go to the hospital. <laughs> um, he, Michael has a lot of uh, mis, misspeaks and mishears. In fact, in the one I mentioned last with the classy driver, he starts that little monologue by saying, contrapting, she's contrapting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how Michael prints off a list of 10 ways to induce labor. And so he says, we just need to do the opposite of those things to keep Pam from going into labor. So item one is stimulate the nipples. So everybody do not touch her nipples, which is really easy. Don't touch your nipples. Really good then, rule of thumb anyway. <laughs> and then Kevin suggests, you know, maybe we should cut holes in her shirt so nothing's touching them. And it's like, no, don't. That's gross. Stop it. Don't be gross at the workplace. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> it's real easy. And then other items on the list include next walk around. So she's already sitting. Boom. Easy. Done. And then next is eat spicy food would induce labor. So Kevin said, or Michael says, okay, so we just need to do the opposite of eating spicy food. And Kevin says, we stick spicy food up her butt. And then Jim stands up. He says, nope, had enough. This is over. Let's go to the hospital. (laughs) And she still denies, but it, it, it is really getting on Jim's nerves that everybody else is trying to have a hand in this. When he's the dad, soon to be I like dad. watching Jim's hair get progressively more like <laughs> tugged at this entire episode. It just gets so big. This might be my favorite moment, one of them anyway. Dwight is uh, curious to see how dilated Pam is. So he grabs a tape measure, which not how you do that um, without getting graphic. Aaron says, oh, I didn't know we had a tape measure. <laughs> Dwight says, we don't and it's got his initials on it (laughs) we do not have a tape measure yeah they really like that in the commentary as well yeah michael as they're getting ready to leave for the hospital is packing his go bag because he definitely needs a go bag because he's definitely the one having the baby right (laughs) no um and he he, so he's struggling to get everything packed as he's leaving and he's looking through his stuff and he says should i bring a dictionary reasonable request but oscar speaks up and says, no, the hospital will provide dictionaries, grab the thesaurus, and then just gives the camera a little bit of a side eye, like, don't tell them. (laughs) 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 So funny. When everyone's go bags are packed and everyone is heading downstairs finally, Jim and Pam and Michael and Dwight are rushing to make it to the hospital, and they take the elevator down, but they're leaving at around 5 o'clock, so as the doors are closing... (laughs) Stanley decides that he's going to hop on. So he holds up their, their trip. And again, again, I stress their office is on the second floor. Take a flight of stairs down anyway. Um, uh, and then Toby tries to get on as well, but of course he gets kicked off the elevator. Mm -hmm. It's funny. We see several times throughout the episode and throughout the deleted scenes where Stanley is just like this, these pregnant women getting all the attention on them during the day. He's, He's not about it. Yeah. Michael, as he is driving Pam and Jim to the hospital, is texting while driving. And they say, Michael, you can't do that. And he says, but it's okay. I'm texting about you. No, that doesn't make it any better. And it certainly won't make it better when you crash into somebody because you're looking at your not a touch. Like, I mean, it's, it's even like an old phone where you would have to pay more attention to how you're texting because it's like the T9 or whatever it was. It's just. It's texting isn't okay while driving people. Don't do it. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you're texting about your passengers or not. <laughs> it was like he was more concerned that they thought that he wasn't paying attention to them. Like, no, it's okay. I'm 
I'm texting about you. No, no. This is about you. Stop it. <laughs> Don't. Dwight, as I mentioned, uh, was escorting the other car to the hospital. Dwight has a talking head where he says he loves escorting people. In fact, a few years back, he put an ad in the paper starting an escort service. He got a lot of responses. <laughs> Mostly creeps, but he made a few friends. Oops. Oops. He, he made some friends, though. That's good. Good for him. That's important. <laughs> Uh, when they get to the hospital, Michael parks in the ambulance parking, and he is told, hey, you can't park there. And instead of being a reasonable person and moving the car, since it's not his baby being born anyways, he takes the keys, which again, this isn't his car, it's Jim and Pam's, and he hurls them across the road, and he looks back and says, I just did. That's not how that works, Michael. You're still going to be towed. There's a towed sign, towing sign right there. You're not going to get away with it just because you threw away the keys. Back in the office, when Michael is, this is part two, where uh, Michael is trying to pair up people, trying to make a new connection. They go into it a bit and, and, and Stanley says, why don't you find someone for yourself instead of meddling in our affairs? Michael gets a little snippy and says, okay, show of hands. Who wants to live in a world where Stanley has two lovers and you don't have any? And of course, no one raises their hand. Except for Stanley, because Stanley <laughs> wants that very much. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's like Stanley chose a poor choice of words by using the word affairs because right. <laughs> he's cheating on his wife or cheated on his wife. Anyways, back at the hospital, possibly the raunchiest joke ever made on the office. When Michael steps into the delivery room and sees a little bit too much stuff. And he walks back out and he's like forlornly carrying these balloons through the waiting room. It's like, I got to go wash my eyes out. And then he has the talking head where he says, kid's going to have a lot of hair. I can't believe that made it into the episode. <laughs> I cannot believe that joke of all the jokes in the office that that joke made it into the, the episode. And for the longest time, I was like, oh, cool. Like he saw the baby. <laughs> He didn't see the baby. I'll just leave that there. It is so we bad. We are so rated bad. PG here at American Workplace, so that's as far as we're going to go into it. <laughs> I just love that Jim has been practicing his diapering. He diapered a baby doll, a football, and my favorite, Angela's cat, in preparation for diapering a baby. Um, he can diaper anything, he said. Mm-hmm. Including, did you mention the watermelon? I think he, he does oh, a watermelon. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Because watermelons need diapers, too. They're like, they what, do. 90% water? So. Yeah. <laughs> um, after the baby is born, I'm just going through my Michael list. Um, yeah. After the baby is born, Michael lights a cigar in the hospital. And he's told, you can't smoke that here. Put it out. Because you're in a hospital. Michael just says, ugh. Can't smoke anywhere these days. Well, not in a hospital. Another inappropriate joke made by Michael. Um, he says that he's going to fill the empty voids in your life with love, and he's going to fill the empty holes in your body with another person. Um, again, <laughs> this one's raunchy. How did this make it? Um, NBC getting blacks. <laughs> Michael comes to see Cecilia in the room after the baby's been born and visitors are allowed in and he sees Helene, Pam's mom. And he says, oh my goodness, what are the odds of this? <laughs> I would say pretty high of bumping yeah. into the, the mother's mother after the baby was born. 
because now that mother is a grandmother, which is a big deal, but okay. <laughs> and she, she leaves saying, love you. And he says, love you as a friend. And she's just like, ugh, and walks out. She was saying it to Pam, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then one more moment in that scene when he tries to get the minutes old baby to say his name. He says, Michael, Michael. <laughs> and Jim says, that's so weird. She was saying it just before you came in. So even in this, the aftermath of this stressful situation, it's nice to know that Jim hasn't lost his sense of humor. He's, he's back. <laughs> I would like to think this is part of Jim's sense of humor, but I don't know that it is. He's trying to give advice to Pam on how to breastfeed, which this is something Pam's never done before, and she owns breasts. I don't think <laughs> Jim is going to have a lot to input here, uh, but he suggests that she kind of squeeze out the milk, uh, which is not something I think it happens. I I don't have kids, but I. <laughs> she's like, how would you suggest I do that? Do you want to try? <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Both times he demonstrates like this, like shoulder forward thrusting motion. It makes me laugh. It's like, it's you don't good. know what you're doing. Uh, following the quote you said earlier from michael just to finish that up you said the empty hole in your body with another person and then he finishes that with and like cupid i'm going to shoot you with love cupid uses a bow and arrow but michael pulls out like guns and so he he shoots andy in the head with a pistol and then aims a shotgun at aaron and then shoots phyllis through the head and Phyllis doesn't react after Andy and Aaron sort of played dead. But Phyllis just sort of sits there. And so Michael takes it upon himself to go and pretend that the back of her head exploded everywhere. <laughs> and he just sort of smiles and walks off. And he does the same thing at the end of the episode. I mentioned earlier the finger guns after as he's looking out of his office to see Aaron and Andy finally hitting it off. And he's like, boom, boom. Like he just shot two pistol or his pistol at both of them to get them to fall in love. Some other people in the office, uh, Andy does the evolution of dance dance to distract Pam <laughs> from labor, but can only do it in complete silence. This is a funny moment. I get that. I know it technically is, but I've, it's always bugged me and I don't know why. Because <laughs> he, he starts the dance and then she starts clapping kind of like on, on tempo and he stops and says, I said absolute silence. <laughs> so he has to start over and... Uh, so no one can enjoy him doing this because it has to be silent. Right. It's funny. They talk about in the, the commentary about how Ed Helms like studied the video so he could make sure he did those couple scenes right. Cecilia is born. Helene shows up with coffee and Pam says, oh, thank God. I haven't had caffeine in nine months. And Jim just gives this little look to the camera like, right. Nine months since he last had coffee. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I won't tell anybody, I guess. <laughs> And then there's this bit, again, with Jim and Pam um, needing and wanting more time in the hospital than they get. So the nurse um, is kind of trying to push them out. And Jim is like, well, we, we have till three, right? And the nurse says, well, it's, it's 2.35. And Jim says, well, it's a half hour. And the nurse says, actually, it's 25 minutes. And so she's, she's kind of trying to kindly get them out the door. Jim has the car seat here, but the bottom part that goes in the car is on the car seat. She says, well, that needs to go in the car. Newsflash, the whole thing needs to go in the car. <laughs> That's technically true. Yes. <laughs> As does the baby. <laughs> so it's just this funny, like, tension between Jim and the nurse. 
more scenes with the nurse. I told you, I think she's really funny. Uh, there was one earlier where Pam, where the nurse said, okay, I'll give Cecilia a bottle tonight and we can try again later. Pam says, oh, but I read a book about nipple confusion. And she goes, oh, so you know everything. Good. <laughs> and she just like looks at the camera like, oh, good. I, I don't do this for, my, for a living. I don't know what I'm talking about. Good thing yeah. you read a book though. <laughs> uh, and there are a couple other small scenes with that, but it, it's really funny. And um, she's very sarcastic. It's funny. Yeah. And Pam says it's good that the baby is being taken to the nursery for a bit because she can socialize with the other babies. And Jim laughs. He sort of thinks that she's joking, I guess. <laughs> but she's serious. It's like the the aftermath of giving birth, mom brain or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> And he, so he sees she's serious and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll be good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad she could socialize with the other babies. <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to mention with Dwight and the escorting was that he gets stopped by the cops because of course he's impersonating a police officer and they ask him to pull over. In fact, they call him by name. <laughs> and so as he's pulling over, we see him toss a like sword out his passenger seat window so he's definitely carrying some weapons and big like antique weapons too yeah it is strange um (laughs) he says dwight we've talked about this (laughs) (laughs) in the contract as we mentioned earlier with angela dwight mentioned or stipulates that the child will be male angela says no i can't control that he says you can it's as simple as keeping the womb extremely warm for two days after sex and then extremely cold for five months. She says, absolutely not. <laughs> nope, not going to do that. This is a really small thing, but when Dwight is at Jim and Pam's house working on the cabinets, he calls Angela and he says, okay, why don't we finish this up? Why don't you meet me here at exactly mid-late afternoon? Because apparently that's to figure out, <laughs> a specific like time. Mid-late afternoon. I'm thinking like, 3.30. Yeah, 3.30 or 4. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. Right, exactly. And two more small ones. When Michael is, again, asking everybody who wants to be hooked up with somebody, who wants to be put into a relationship, Ryan raises his hand as Kelly is right next to him, clinging to his arm, saying, I'm not single, I have a man. But here's Ryan raising his hand. Yes, please set me up with somebody. <laughs> like dead pans in the camera mm-hmm. and lastly meredith says you know i'm never getting married and she has this brief talking head where she just like points her thumbs at herself and says like Clooney." Says, uh not really a comparison that i think anybody else would have made ever <laughs> but if she if that the comparison in her head makes sense good for her that's self-confident <laughs> We had a number of deleted scenes, Many as deleted well as scenes. a commentary. Yes. So let's crank through these. Jim tries to plan a prank on Dwight. There is a lever connected to a ceiling tile, but Dwight knows what's up and he isn't um, going to fall for it. So as he's describing that he's not going to fall for it, um, Jim tries to pull the real prank. So he's trying to smash a pie into Dwight's face as he's looking up at the lever, trying to figure out what's up. But Dwight doesn't look up long enough. Um, and Jim just says, this was a disaster. He uh, tries to blame it on distraction <laughs> with the baby coming. And he catches himself. He goes, there's no excuse. I'm better than this. <laughs> I really like that one. 
Yeah. Um, there's an extended scene with Kevin and Pam as Kevin explains what meals they eat together. And he says, you know, I used to get Pam on the phone for bed meal, but Jim put a stop to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bed meal. Probably best. Meredith asks Pam if she's having a girl or a boy. Pam says that she decided not to find out. <laughs> Meredith says, well, if it's a boy, there's a guy I met at Paintball who's a circumcision, a circumcision artist. He's done all of Joe Biden's grandsons. If she says Meredith's name, if, if Pam says Meredith's name, th- then Meredith will get 25 bucks and she'll give Pam five of those $25. <laughs> oh, wow. Big dollars. <laughs> Pam says they've already uh, got a paintball circumcision guy. And then Kevin asks them what circumcision is. <laughs> so that was a very special deleted scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I also <laughs> love that when Pam says, you know, we, we decided not to find out. And Meredith says, well, aren't you special? <laughs> One of those. <laughs> Andy and Aaron are having a back and forth, this or that Q&A kind of session. Um, and all of Aaron's have to do with which kind of nut he prefers. <laughs> Andy yeah. asks stuff like puppies or kittens, Europe or 10 minutes on the moon. And Aaron asks peanuts or walnuts, cashews or Brazil nuts, pistachios or macadamia nuts. Like, I don't know what her fixation on the kind of snack nuts uh, he prefers, but it, it's apparently very important to her. Creed has a whole line. <laughs> I of, love this. Uh, talking heads and, and and plot that got cut um it starts with the talking head pam may be about to give birth he says no she definitely is about to give birth but that's okay he says and if i know anything about the cycle of life and i do someone's going to die and i think we all know whose number's up so he's going to go get his affairs in order <laughs> and then we see um creed returns to angela a belonging of hers we don't see what it is she says that she could have him arrested he says you can't arrest a ghost because, mm-hmm. of course, he's going to die, he thinks. Mm-hmm. And then and there's a final a creed. And become a ghost. Um, and there's a final talking head with Creed. He says, well, Pam had her baby and I'm still alive. I've got a new lease on life. If death can't stop me from dating, then neither can my mother. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. And I can't believe your mom's still alive. That's... <laughs> there was also a small cut, uh, cut plot line with Meredith who felt that she was being she she got new high tops and Pam was distracting everybody from paying attention to her new high tops. So very important things happening to Creed and Meredith in this episode. <laughs> Michael has a talking head about how his role in this birth is as the boss. So there's no pain as with the mother or responsibility as with the father. In fact, get this, in many cultures, the boss really plays no role at all in childbirth. Who would have thought? He's just like... Amazing. Amazing. Wow. Can't imagine that world. Oscar questions why Jim and Pam would need another day at the hospital, and Dwight suggests that maybe it's knowledge that they, that they need. Um, what if they leave before learning, say, the proper spanking technique? And then we cut away to Dwight's talking head. Speed. Power. Aim. Noise. Knuckles. Spank. <laughs> spank. And spank. It's not a talking head, though. He's at his desk, and Jim's just like, noise? Oh, that's right. It's not. <laughs> that's right. It's not a talking head. It seems like it would be like a good yeah. cutaway, but no. Nope. Yeah. Speed. Power. Aim. Noise. Knuckles. Spank. <laughs> noise is what Jim focuses on. Like, that's, that's concerning. <laughs> um, Ryan reads his poem as part of the Distracting Pam conference room meeting. 
uh, which we got a snippet of in the episode, but we get the full thing here. He says it's called plastic love. Any similarities to real persons are very intentional. Okay, thanks, Ryan. And so he reads it, and Pam laughs at it. She says, it's so awful, it's awesome. And Ryan tries to pass it off. He says, yeah, it's pretty funny, huh? I found that. And he says, but you said you wrote it. Ryan denies it. He says, check the tape. I never said I wrote it. He definitely did. I rewound it just to make sure. I checked the tape, Ryan, as it were. And uh, everybody else agrees with Andy. says, you you definitely said it. And so Ryan storms off because everybody hates his poem. (laughs) There is an extension of why Dwight needs Angela to have a male child. He says, I cannot have Shroot Farms run by a girl. The oxen won't stand for it. Angela says, well, I will not teach another boy to French braid. Not after what happened to my brother. Mm-hmm. Would love to know what catastrophe was happening there. Mm-hmm. And then Angela has a talking head. She says, yes, with the right gentleman, I'd consider having a child out of wedlock. And it would be okay, because I know I'm a good person. Unlike all of those sluts who do it. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. Um, double standards there, Angela. <laughs> Just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Uh, Jim has a funny talking head where he says, you know, like most couples, Pam and I have that one person that they'd be, that we'd be allowed to have sex with no matter what. His is Cameron Diaz. And hers, coincidentally enough, was Clark from the hospital, (laughs) who's the lactation consultant. And again, it's funny because the lactation consultant was played by her then fiance. And we overhear him coaching her on on breastfeeding and jim says oh there's my cue <laughs> that's back in because there there he is once again and he he's just jealous of course of this yeah i think thing. i think in the background he says how does that feel she says it feels good so oh, yep, yeah, jim yeah. jim steps in nope okay, that's oh, my cue okay. <laughs> handsome guy handling his wife's breast <laughs> this one was funny but i'm glad they didn't put it in um mm-hmm. jim's talking to the baby he says see Delivery wasn't so bad, was it? <laughs> and Pam just cusses at him. <laughs> F you. He says, wow. <laughs> Someone's still a little sore sitting on your donut, hum? Sore. <laughs> or, hun. And uh, gives, she gives him the bird, of course, because mm-hmm. he deserves it. <laughs> it's funny, though. I always thought, for some reason, that the whole delivery wasn't so bad, right? And then the F you was part of the episode. I, I don't know. I guess I saw that clip somewhere else because I... I oh, weird. I didn't, I was I, surprised it was a deleted scene because I was uh, familiar with I, it. I had never seen it, so. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen the whole thing leading up to mm. her flicking him off, but I'd seen the del- delivery wasn't so bad, right? F you. I, I'd yeah. seen that before, so I don't know. Mm. Uh, who knows? Ryan gets strangely upset when Michael says he knows models. Uh, we get a snippet of it uh, in the episode when Michael, or when Ryan says maybe plus size models. And Michael doesn't know what he's talking about and agrees. Uh, But then in the deleted scene, we have a talking head where Ryan says, models? Are you kidding me? Models? Okay. Guys like him only get models if they have money or drugs or if they also date guys because models like that. And he says, do you mind if I smoke in here? And he lights a cigarette. And I'm just like, what? What's happening here? Like, what is going on? Yeah, that was a weird one. And I think this is my last one. Jim has a talking head after the whole, you know, that bottom part goes in the car, right? Jim has, <laughs> yeah, a talking head where he says, I had no idea what I strapped into the backseat of my car. Part of the stroller? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so, again, fatherhood, it's hard. 
uh, my last one, there's an extended scene where they're trying to re-swaddle the baby. And so they call in the nurse and there's this long back and forth on the merits of swaddling. The nurse says, it's what we do at the hospital or diapering and which they should do. And what did you do with your kids? But if you did have kids, what would you do? So we should just try both and see what works best. And it's like echoing a lot of things and repeating a lot of things. And it's just this long back and forth. And it's probably a lot of improvisation, uh, at least according to the commentary, that, that scene. And a lot of the scenes at the hospital were just, let's set up the cameras and Jim and Pam, you do your thing. More of the nurse being sassy. Yeah. <laughs> so we have this commentary. Uh, which, of course, had Jenna Fisher and... Uh, it was Greg Daniels um, who yep. created the show, uh, the U.S. version. Seth Gordon, who directed part one. Charlie Grandy, who wrote part two. And then Jenna Fisher. Right. Well, they were worried about how true their rule was regarding the HMO and the nights of the hospital. But t- turns out it's totally true. If you uh, can wait to check in till after midnight, you can get another night at the hospital. So, noted. Jenna also was complaining about how uncomfortable the pregnancy suit was. She said it wasn't necessarily heavy, but it was like a full Lycra bodysuit, sort of like what you'd wear surfing. And so it wasn't easy to take off. And so to use the restroom, she'd have to like fully declothe and then fully reclothe. And it was just a pain. And it like put pr- pressure on her bladder. So she was having to use the restroom all the time. So that made it worse. Just like a real pregnant person. Yeah. <laughs> Nelson Franklin, who plays Nick, the IT guy, isn't super present for the rest of the season, they said, because he got hired in another pilot with David Denman, who played Roy. Mm-hmm. So got some office uh, meetups. Kind of fun. It was worth noting that they said Rain Wilson, who uh, he was actually going to be the one directing this episode, but then things changed. And they relied a lot on Danny... Chun, one of the other writers, his dad was a pediatrician, so they asked him questions. And Seth Gordon, who directed part one, had three kids. So uh, they sort of relied on their, quote, expertise in order to get a lot of the, the parenting and the, the going into labor and going to the hospital kind of things right. Jenna noted how fun it was for her and John to play the two most unreasonable people in the office, since they're usually the most reasonable, and how Kevin and Michael and Almost everyone else was so level-headed this whole time. Um, But Pam got to be a little nuts, and Jim too. And Jenna was also talking about how, as a cast, they usually dread conference room scenes because they take forever to film, because they're not at their computers to have distractions, it gets hot in there, etc. But she said she had more fun with the distraction one in this episode than normal because she thinks it was because her character was excited about it. And so she, she posited maybe... We all dread conference room scenes because our characters dread conference room meetings. And so that was just a little interesting bit of insight. Jenna, also, a lot of these are Jenna, Mm -hmm. um, commented on Jim and Pam's growth as a couple. She said in the past, if Jim was upset, Pam would care very much. And now it's not that she doesn't care, but she's more, I like how she put this, waiting for him on the other side of his mood, of his freak out. Uh, they're married. Their moods can be more independent of each other now, um, as opposed to a newer relationship when if you're sad, he's sad. If, you know, if he's angry at you, you're angry back or you're upset. But they're at the point now where it's like, okay, I'll be here when you're ready. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, just meet me on the other side. There is a talking head. It's the one where Pam says, I'm fine. I'll get there. And if I don't get there, I don't get there. (laughs) 
uh, and they really liked this talking head, but there had been a costume change and they didn't have another place to put it. So they just put it in and hoped people wouldn't notice. So if you watch for it, there's a brief talking head where Pam just changes what clothes she's wearing and then back to the same old outfit. I was proud of that, that I did notice that oh, really? a while back because, because they did mention that she changed her clothes because her water broke and Jim's like, oh, you changed your clothes. And then she has a talking head after that in her old clothes. So I was like, why? Mm-hmm. But that makes sense. Um, it's scary, fun tidbit. Steve Carell thought he was having a heart attack on the way to the hospital with his wife when she was in labor because he was just so stressed. Um, he didn't have a heart attack, but it was just panic. Uh, so this is vaguely based on that story. <laughs> There's another completely deleted scene that didn't show up on the DVD at all, where Creed apparently gives Pam his coat, because again, he's setting his affairs in order. He thinks he's about to die. And so he appeals to Pam and says, please don't do this, Pam. Please don't have your baby, because that means I'm going to be dead, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and Pam is actually wearing that coat in the episode as they're leaving for the hospital, as they're getting on the elevator. So that explains something that I'd not put any thought into, but it's Creed's coat that she's wearing. Yeah, it's like that blue and red plaid long Mm -hmm. overcoat. Uh, They explain how they film in the car, which is something I had wondered about for a long time until I actually saw this in New York, which was super cool. Mm -hmm. I saw it being done. So the car is being filmed while, while it's sitting on a truck that's towing the car. So it's a truck towing car and in between the two there's there's cameras um so the car that is being filmed isn't actually driving and i saw one of these drive down broadway in new york which was pretty fun um it's pretty cool yeah it's it's something that you would think looks like just a car being towed but it it is pretty obvious that they're it's like pretty raised up Mm -hmm. um yeah Every once in a while, though, you do get like actual snippets of characters driving the cars. Like in this episode, when Dwight peels out of the parking lot, that's actually Rain Wilson right. driving. But yeah, the, the, yeah, like the extended driving shots uh, along right. roads are done that way, which was cool uh, to get that bit of background information. Uh, we also learned that the delivery room and the hospital itself was actually a set, not a building that they occupied to film this. And so the delivery room was only the size of like a janitor's closet and there wasn't stuff in there. There were folding chairs. And so they were just sitting in the delivery room, quote unquote, uh, on these folding chairs, delivering their lines while everything else was happening in this little set. That was a hallway and a waiting room. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought that they had occupied the building, but in order to see the, delivery room quote-unquote they had to use what was a janitor's office or a, a janitor's closet so they emptied it out and used that i don't know after yeah I, I thought they said it was a set so that that's a oh. set and i think they said that jim and pam's kitchen was also a set as well rather than like an actual gotcha. location that makes sense mm-hmm. this was interesting there were six real babies they were all five week old premature babies to look the size of brand new newborn babies Uh, And you can only work babies for 15 minutes at a time. There is some union rule, so babies can only work for 15 minutes. Mm. So there were so many of them. Yeah, it was funny. They they said, I think we all we used all real babies. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, I think so, too. (laughs) And there was one moment where it's after they have the they they feed the fake baby or no, wait, it's it's as the nurse is wheeling off Cecilia to the nursery so they can get some rest. 
uh, they're like, nope, nope, that's a fake baby. <laughs> that's an they're awfully like, still baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was just funny that they, they claim they use all real babies and they realized, nope, nope, that's not real. <laughs> that was so funny. As soon as they said it, I like rewound and watched it. And as they push the baby away, it like rocks back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Like not like it's like a sausage a or a salami. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. Uh, the Halpert baby is named after Jenna's niece, Cecilia Marie. So Cecilia Marie Halpert after Cecilia Marie, Jenna's niece, who was born a week before they shot this episode. And so Jenna didn't tell her sister. She kept it a secret all the way until the episode aired. And then her sister called and was like screaming that her daughter's name was on TV. That's so fun. Yeah, that's awesome. The nickname that they've given Cecilia is Cece, mm-hmm. which we will hear more um, throughout the series. So they joked that Pam, the receptionist, subconsciously named her daughter CC, as in to CC someone. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I never thought of that. They pointed out that it was easier for Andy to admit that he had a torn scrotum than it was to admit he had a crush on Aaron, which one of those should be a lot more private than the other one, and Andy's got it backwards. The cast gives Brian a hard time for his Kevin voice. <laughs> Because that's not at all how he sounds in real life. And one day he just let loose. He says, you know what? It was one choice at one audition a long time ago. You don't think I regret this every day? <laughs> so he he went in and he made a choice in the room and they loved it. And they said, you've got to do that from now on. And so that's how the Kevin voice happened. Yeah. <laughs> he regrets it because now he has it. They also talked about when, when Kevin steps out from behind Michael's door, when Michael's setting Kevin and Aaron up. Kevin says da ta like he, instead of ta da he says da ta and they originally had that in the script and then they were doing the table read and Brian did it the correct way instead of the miswritten way and so the writers were actually kind of upset because they didn't do he didn't do it the way that they had written it initially and so it, it is funny that Kevin would be so I, I hate to use the word dumb but dumb as to use words incorrectly data the last one for me i think they shot the ending two ways one where the halperts walk in and the kitchen is destroyed and one where they walk in and the kitchen's pristine and they don't know what's different they're like what something's mm-hmm. not right something's off because their kitchen is completely new but looks the same or something mm-hmm. i have just a couple really small ones to mention um again harold ramus who's big hollywood director was big hollywood director directed part two and they were actually filming uh parts of this episode on groundhog day and harold ramus directed the film groundhog day with bill murray and so jenna was really sort of enamored with the fact that she was working with the director of groundhog day on groundhog day (laughs) and they made a joke about filming the same take over and over and over again until she learned something about herself they did do research whether there were any male lactation specialists, whether that was a thing so that they could say that they didn't do it just for the joke. And they were ecstatic. As soon as they found the first one, they said, yes, those do exist. We could do it on our show. (laughs) And almost done. Sorry. Kevin installed. They originally had Kevin installing the car seat into the Halpert car. And he originally put it in the front seat. In fact, one of them said he put it in the driver's seat. So, again, Kevin not not putting a whole lot of things in his favor for smartness in this episode. And lastly, 
to make the breastfeeding look realistic with the wrong baby. This was interesting. Uh, they had this sort of padded bra with a sterile nipple attached where they were, they actually had milk stored. So when Pam brings up the, it was the fake, the, the wrong baby. Uh, they bring up the baby who's crying and she holds the baby up and the baby actually starts drinking milk from this sterile nipple, um, like bottle that's, that they had rigged up. And so then the baby would be quiet. It would be drinking the milk and would calm down so that they could do their dialogue. So it was this fancy contraption where they could actually feed the baby and use a real baby in the scene. Yeah. Cause you don't see the face of the crying baby. So I always figured that those sounds were just put in in post, but mm-hmm. it's real. Yeah, it's real. And that's in contrast with at the very end when they're sitting on the bench outside, apparently they filmed that first and they didn't have this contraption. And so the baby they use, uh, Jenna was actually just hiding like a pacifier under the cover and would give the baby the pacifier <laughs> after she was covered up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big discussion. Yeah. So I have the discussion topic today. Um, Don't know if there's a real answer here, but I was thinking, is there something that could have been done to convince Pam earlier that she needed to go to the hospital? I mean, you touched on it, that it was her, it was, it was partially the HMO thing and it was partially probably her um, doubts of being a mother, but is there anything that could have convinced her to go earlier? Uh, aside from something just going drastically wrong, um, I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I mean, I think Jim could have been a bit more supportive. Isn't the right word. I mean, he's definitely being supportive, but like encouraging, Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, he's freaked. I get that. He's about to be a dad, but she's about to be a mom and she's about to do the most physically taxing thing she's ever going to do. Um, so she's doubly scared because she's never done this and she doesn't know what it's going to be like and he doesn't either but she's about to i mean she's scared physically and emotionally so i think he could have i don't know just been a little bit more like encouraging with his words (laughs) i don't know he he didn't seem to be super present for her in this episode like i'm gonna get a little backlash for that that's not what i meant but like in terms of getting her to the hospital right i i think if they had been a little bit more logical maybe which they're about to be new parents. They're not thinking the most logically. But if at 3 p.m., they're already at five to seven minutes between contractions or whatever, are they really going to make it to midnight? Probably not. So might as well go now. Um, right. That's my, my first thought. Yeah. Cool. Before we sign off and say goodbye, I just wanted to mention this was the end of disc three of the DVD set. And so we like to mention the DVD extras. And the only DVD extra on this one, aside from the deleted scenes and the commentaries, is we get the full Welcome to Saber video without the cutaways. And so you can experience Christian Slater and all of his Christian Slateriness. Um And the only thing that I noticed that I don't know if I ever saw in the episode was at the end when Joe shows up, she says, blah, 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 welcome to Saber. And in the background, you see Christian Slater walk up and he just sort of stands there and then looks up at the camera and gives a thumbs up. He's like, yeah. (laughs) And that's it. I'm being paid to do that. (laughs) Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of our official 63rd episode of An American Workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. If you would like to rate, review, or subscribe, or and subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, that's where you can find us. 
You can also email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place to find me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. If you want a shout out and more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think it's most worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 63 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 64 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season six, St. Patrick's Day and new leads. Bye. Bye. For a second, going back to Dwight, uh, I think it's... No, I'm not going to say interesting again. (laughs) 